like a huge miracle, right? That that Jesus raised somebody from the dead. The Jews, you know, the the, the Sadducees, Sanhedrin, plotted to kill Lazarus because he healed, you know, he raises men from the dead, and people were believing in Jesus because of this great miracle. Um, they really represent, though, like just like service and faith and comradeship, you know, like they, they were Jesus's friends. And they, they supported him in his ministry. And after the resurrection, they went forth and proclaimed uh, the, the resurrection. In fact, their, their names will come up here in just a minute. Again, August 1st is Lammas Day um, uh, or Loaf Mass. Um, it's, it's a very English festival, but a lot of European countries have this festival. Um, it's the day of the blessing of the blessing and celebration of the grain harvest. You say, wait a second, August first, grain harvest. Well, the calendar hasn't always been as accurate as it is now, and so up until the period, like in 1752, they fixed the calendar because the English calendar was ahead of the solar calendar. And so in 1752, they fixed the calendar, and they had to drop 11 days from the calendar. So prior to the 16th century, um, harvest, you know, August 1st represented a later time in the year, at least a week later than it is now. So people had fresh grain, and people could make fresh bread. And so people would bring their, their you know, in Thanksgiving, I mean, you can imagine, like, you've been through a whole year without grain, um, you're very thankful that you have grain and you have bread. So you make bread and you give the first fruits to the church and to the lords, and and then you have your loaves blessed. And they use the you know newly blessed loaves uh, for communion. It's just it's just another great harvest festival. Um, also, the feast day of Saint Peter in Chains. Um, so in Acts chapter twelve. Um, we read about Peter being arrested. You know, like uh, we last week was the feast, or just the other day, Tuesday was the feast day of Saint James, who was beheaded by Herod. When Herod beheaded Saint James and saw how you know popular it made him, he started arresting all the disciples, and he arrested Peter, put Peter in jail. And while Peter was in jail, an angel came and freed him from prison, and then Peter went on his way. Um, the re the remembrance of that divine intervention and divine care um, we celebrate also on August 1st. Um, those are two more historic celebrations. Um, going even deeper into history, the seven martyrs of the Maccabees are also celebrated on August 1st. Now, in the Eastern Church, I don't, I, you may know this, but they are not afraid to celebrate Old Testament saints. So every, like Isaiah, Amos, um, Daniel, they all have days on the calendar. But in the Western church, we, we have not, we've never done this except for the seven martyrs of the Maccabees. So in 2 Maccabees, uh, in your Apocrypha, there's a story about all these, these kids that were martyred by the Greeks. And they have they were put on the Western calendar um, for their for their just devotion for the horrible way they were murdered, um, but their steadfastness in their faith. Um, it's very, a very odd, very odd sort of thing. Um, and of course, in the East, they have no problem celebrating those seven Jewish martyrs. One last thing. 
Joseph of Arimathea is also celebrated on August 1st. If you look at our calendar, that's the one, that's the one you will see. Um, Joseph of Arimathea was a, a first century, you know, member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish um, sort of governing body, religious governing body. And he became a secret follower of Jesus. And, and when um, they executed Jesus, and the disciples were all scattered and afraid. Joseph came to Pilate and was bold enough to ask for his body. And he had a, his own tomb that was, you know, freshly prepared in the rocks, and he put Jesus in there, which is just, I mean, one, it's, it's, it's a Jewish and Christian responsibility to bury the dead, um, especially those who can't be buried, uh, whether they can't afford it or don't have, you know, people around them who do bury them. So he was fulfilling his Jewish obligation to make sure that Jesus was buried, but also just very, very loving and gracious act because Jesus, you know, didn't, didn't have a place to be laid. Um, <clears throat> so we remember his boldness, um, but also for us um, Anglicans, um, you know, the, the legend is that Joseph of Arimathea brought, brought the gospel to, uh, to England. You see, the legend is, is that Joseph of Arimathea was uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary's uncle, and he had grown wealthy in the tin trade, and of course the tin trade is big in uh, you know, Cornwall and in, up in that area in Britain. And so he brought, you know, as he was doing tin trading, brought the gospel to Britain in the year 37, and then was made a bishop for Britain in AD 63. And of course, you know, it's, it's wild conjecture legend that is almost no basis in historical fact. Um, and that's where you get, though, all the um, legends of the Holy Grail. Like he brought the Holy Grail to England. Um, so at least for your sort of um, history and liter literary knowledge, you need to know that that's where the story comes from. Also, legend says that he brought Mary, Martha, and Lazarus with him to... Um, to preach the gospel. In yeah. England? In England, yeah, yeah. But let me tell you about another great story. <laughs> Perhaps Martha didn't make it all the way to England. Perhaps Martha spent some time in Germany. Now here is pure legend and conjecture. Coming from the great, this was the most popular of all medieval works, the golden legend. It's full of saint stories for every day of the year. Some of them 100% true. Some of them wildly fantastical. Don't let it color your judgment. So this is a little story about Martha. At that time on the shores of the Rhone River in a forest which lay between Arles and Avignon, so it's in France, not Germany, excuse me, there dwelt a dragon which was half animal and half fish larger than an ox, longer than a horse, with teeth like swords as sharp as horns, and two bucklers on each side of his body. And this beast lurked in the river, and slew the passerby, and sank the ships. He had come by sea from Galatia and Asia, and was engendered of the Leviathan, which is the most ferocious, ferocious serpent living in the ocean, and of the onager, an animal which dwells in the region of Galatia and which shoots its odor like a bolt at all who are, within, who are within the space of an acre, and everything which is touched thereby is consumed with fire. And the people besought St. Martha, and she went forth to meet the dragon, 
and she found him in the forest devouring a man. And she threw holy water upon him and held up a cross before him. And the monster was thus overpowered and stood by her side like a lamb. And she bound him about the neck with her girdle. And the people thereabouts put him to death with spears and stones. And this dragon was called Tarascon by the folk. So that in memory of him, the place was thereafter known as Tarascon, although previously it was called Nerluk, from Niger Locus, because the forests which bordered the river were dark and shadowy. It's a pretty great story, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I never read that one, but... I never had either. <coughs> so... I had to Lazarus... Lazarus died twice, then? Is he the only person who died twice? Lazarus did die twice. Yeah. Did you hear it put him to death? Um, well, they try. I mean, either he, either he died a natural death after Jesus raised him from the dead, okay. or the the um, the San, the not the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees wanted to put him to death. Okay, so they you don't know. know. So, so yeah, they don't know what happened to him. So if you were to watch a movie, I mean, so he he becomes this figure. Um, Sometimes in, in um, literature, like The Last Temptation of Christ, there's like this great scene, and again, this is just a novel, um, but they just, they just, they put him to death. They can't mm. handle him being alive. But also in a canticle for Leibowitz, I mean, he's that old Jewish man um, oh. that's, you know, wandering around, or at least that's like the speculation, you know. I so wondered he, about that. I'm thinking about reading that book again. He never died. He never. So, the, so, <clears throat> may, you know, perhaps there's a legend that he never died. Again. And then, and there was such a loose end at the end of the book. It was yeah. Like, what happened? What yeah. was with that? Just, I, I always thought that. I always thought that if someone, if if the gospels had just been made up, there's no way that every woman would have just been named Mary. Why would anyone who made up the story just name all their characters Mary? <laughs> yeah, there are lots of Marys. <clears throat> uh, one last, one last saint here. Um, July 31st. Oh, I did it out of order. Excuse me. Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, he was born on the 31st, or no, I'm sorry. He died the 31st of July, 1556. So, born into a noble fam Basque family in 1491, and, and he says in his journals he spent 26 years in vanities. Um, you know, and so he was sort of a dandy, right? Like, he loved, you know, loved finer things. He loved to fight, though. I mean, like, he was, he thought that was just a thing to just, like, you know, go out and, you know, fight battles for his people. Well, in 1521, he was seriously wounded, um, and so he had to spend some time in recovery, and he recovered at uh, the town of Loyola, from which he gets his, you know, sort of his name. And he had his spiritual awakening while he was, you know, um, recovering, and he, he started writing down everything, and from this notebook we have his spiritual exercises, which are immensely popular to this day. And like a lot of people will do a 30-day retreat, and it's centered around these spiritual exercises. Um, uh, he started to have um, some pretty wide influence, and uh, the problem was he, you know, he he was unschooled, um, you know, and so this made him suspect by the church. So at the age of thirty-seven, he went off to study theology so he could be ordained a priest and you know find some legitimacy um, in the eyes of you know the, the hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, in fifteen thirty-four. 
um, he and six companions took vows of strict poverty and, and uh, um, vowed to serve the poor with everything that they have. And from that vow came the Society of Jesus, which we know as the Jesuits, of course, um, for what it's worth. Pope Francis is a Jesuit. I mean, he's the first Jesuit pope. Um, in 1540, the church made um, the Society of Jesus an official organization of the church, and they were probably the most um, prominent um, force in the Counter-Reformation. Um, he died on well, July 31st, 1556. Um, you know, one of the things that he sort of instilled on people and lived, you know, he died in his, his room. He, like, had a very small room that was his room in private chapel, as I admire that. Um, but finding God in all things and doing all things for God, glory, kind of his, his two things. Um, but his influence on the church has been, I mean, he was probably the prominent figure in the Counter-Reformation. Um, and, I mean, and not, like, you know, refuting heretics, but building up the Roman Catholic Church and helping it get back on track. Um, obviously the Jesuits are huge. You know, they, they're still a major force for teaching and working with the poor to this day. There are Jesuit reti retreat centers all over the place. I mean, most notably Manresa in uh, Birmingham or Bloomfield Hills. It's kind of on the border there. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, like you go, they have a, they have a little relic of St. Ignatius, part of his finger. Um, and... Um, People go there to do the 30-day retreats that they're based on based on his writing. And also, I mean, I also should say too, though, the Jesuits were probably the, I mean, they were majorly responsible for bringing the gospel to the New World and just exploring it. I, I mean, Father Marquette, I mean, whose name is all over the place, right? Uh, in this area, he was a Jesuit um, and uh, traveled with other Jesuits to to just to map out this new world that was founded, but also to bring the gospel to whatever people they would meet on their travels. Um, Ignatius, big, big figure. Thanks, James. He's not on our Anglican calendar, but he should be. <laughs> well, it's